Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 343 and we're talking about our top 10 tips for long flights. Gosh, talk about tripping over my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Tongue tripping over top 10 tips. Yes, exactly that. I'm not going to say it again. Oh. (laughs) So we are still in rural England near Stowmarket and it's It's going well. Uh, I've come back from my trip from France. And when I came back, my friend Ange was visiting. Well, our friend Ange, actually. It was so funny because we headed out to the station. Uh, My mum had been with us for a week. And we went to the station, picked up Ange, had lunch. And then mum and I headed off to London and then France. And Ange came back to the small village with Craig. And we're just so sure that the tongues got wagging, you know, when he went off with one woman and came back with another one. And we look quite different. I mean, Ange is very blonde, so we don't look anything alike. Yeah, that wasn't the only talking point of the village over the last week. The other one was the pub quiz, which <laughs> hacked out the pub. And uh, we failed dismally at it. Our knowledge of British birds is sorely lacking. However, we did get the first question right, which is, which countries were represented in Anzac? And we thought we were in for this whole quiz, because Anzac is the Australia-New Zealand Army Corps. But Unfortunately, that's one of the few questions that we knew the answer to easily. No, no, we got quite a few right, but we just got quite a few less right than everyone else. And that was even with quite a few people kind of leaning over and going, this is the answer. I think a lot of people took pity on us and we deserved it. Yeah, I don't know if we deserved it, but we needed it. This episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by 23andMe.com. This is a genetic service that provides you with DNA reports about where your DNA comes from around the world. The service is named after the 23 pairs of chromosomes in your DNA, and it provides you with over 75 genetic reports about your health, like lactose intolerance or sleep movement, about your traits, like your eye color or hair curl, and your ancestry, so what percent breakdown your DNA is from all over the world. I hear it's pretty easy to do. You just spit into a tube provided and mail it back to the lab. They're currently running a sweepstake, which we'll tell you about more of at the end of the show. But let's just say you could end up with a long flight or two of your own because it is an awesome, awesome sweepstake. Yeah, make sure you listen to the end of the podcast where we will tell you all the details. So in the show, we are having a talk about our, what was it, Linda? No? Okay, uh, talking about our tips for long trips, because there's nothing quite like getting into a giant bus and being uh, forced into the seat for like a 10, 12, 16 hour period. We quite often travel from New Zealand to Europe, and that's 24 hours in the air. And since they haven't quite invented a plane that will go for that long, that means that you've got at least two legs. So really, it's at least kind of 30 hours Well, airport to airport, I mean, door to door, you're looking at least two days, aren't you? Gosh, it's a long trip. So we've been on quite a lot of short flights recently, and we realized that short flights are a completely different experience to long flights. And what was it? It was only about two months ago that we came up from New Zealand this last time. That got me thinking about how much preparation is necessary, not totally necessary, but is helpful to do before you go on a long flight. It all starts when buying your tickets, right? Point number one, choose the flight carefully. While price is an obvious factor, it's not the only thing to think about. There's a lot to do with the record of the airline in terms of its safety record, but for longer flights, the amount of leg room and the amount of free food and drink (laughs) and the happiness and pleasantness of the staff are going to play a much bigger part in you surviving this flight. 
Yeah, I remember when we first travelled from New Zealand to Europe, we travelled with Cathay Pacific, and it's a very nice airline. It's got very good reviews, but it's got a very narrow space between seats. Uh, We also had a bad experience. We flew from Auckland to Hong Kong and then from Hong Kong to London, and for some reason we didn't get booked into our flight for the second leg, and so we ended up being separated. So we're both on the aisle opposite each other, but on either side of the aisle. So I couldn't even fall asleep on Craig's shoulder, and, you know, it was just quite uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't all bad. I got to keep my shoulder. But no, it was <laughs> it was pretty sad and traumatic at the time doing this late night changeover and then being bumped off one flight and then being put into different seats on the next flight. But you know, there's more and more budget airlines that are doing long haul routes. Uh, mm-hmm. We recently flew up with Norwegian, where we flew uh, international from Asia up into Scandinavia then from Scandinavia down to Spain. And I would, I expected like the, the long haul route we booked meals on, but because we booked it all as one ticket, I expected to have meals and snacks on the second shorter haul. And as it was, we didn't pick up much food in the airport because A, it was Scandinavia and ridiculously expensive. And B, we had booked a, booked a meal through on our flight. So we just got what we needed and then found out partway through the flight that there was no food included. And so that was a real shocker. Yeah, so I think that's something really to be aware of if you're traveling with a budget airline. We've traveled a lot with budget airlines, and we've had some very good experiences, even on long-haul flights. But just be aware of what is and isn't included. You might expect to have you know, full-service meals, drinks, and everything, and that's not necessarily the case. Speaking of drinks, we recently flew with Royal Brunei, and that was very nice. We had a very good experience, but we didn't realize when we were booking the flights that they don't serve alcohol on any of their flights. It was fine. It was obviously fine. We can go 24 hours without a drink, but it was just something that we wouldn't have expected. So as well as understanding your airline, time of day is an important consideration. If you can, avoid flights that take off super early in the morning unless you have a good, solid connection out to the airport. And also, the later the flight is in the day, the more likely it is to be cancelled, as delays earlier in the day will bump things backwards through the day. So our preferred departure time is late morning, early afternoon, to kind of try and bridge those two different areas of problems. Yeah, I like to kind of get up in the morning, finish packing, uh, have some breakfast, you know, I have a bit of space to get ready and then go to the airport. I don't like that. Oh my goodness, I've got to be at the airport at 6am feeling. That is the worst. Yeah, so if that's not going to work, uh, you might be able to get a late night flight, in which case you can get on the plane and just go straight to sleep. But Linda's not so good at sleeping on flights, <laughs> eh? Really terrible. So yeah, if you aren't very good at sleeping on flights, then you might have to do a little bit more preparation, which we'll talk about a bit more later in the episode. You could also look at incorporating a stopover, and that's going to have a massive impact on the times that you want to fly. Because if you are going to do a stopover, so a day or a couple of days in the intermediary point, then you know you're going to want to arrive as early as possible in the day and leave as late as is seemly in the evening. Yeah, this is point number two. If you've got two or more legs, so say, for example, you're coming from Australia or New Zealand up to Europe or you're going for quite a long journey, why not break the journey with a stopover? Because this way you can see somewhere else, which is obviously great, and you can also acclimatize yourself more to the new time zone. So that's one really good thing. And yeah, mostly it's just good to see somewhere else. 
With those New Zealand to Europe flights that we do over and over again, there's some great points to stop off in. Uh, Hong Kong, Los Angeles, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore. Yeah. So much fun. I always like doing that. Well, the last time we actually didn't do any stopovers. We came direct from Melbourne. We had two stops, but we didn't stop over. But before that, we went via Bangkok and we had a few really great days there. So I definitely think that's something to consider. Yeah, we also had our great days in LA with uh, Spencer, Indie Travel Podcast listener. Hi, Spencer. Hi, Spencer. Uh, And he looked after us so well. Yeah, that one was a bit different because we hadn't booked the flight with one airline. We'd actually kind of organized our own stopover. And that's actually another thing to consider. If you're booking your flights, you might want to consider booking the two different legs with two different airlines, and you might have to. It's often a good idea to create your own little stopover because if one of the flights is cancelled or you get there a bit later, then you've got much more of a buffer zone. Point number three strikes at the heart of the stress of the airport experience for me, and that is to carefully investigate your options to get to and from the airport, because that's the bit that always worries me. Mm, Definitely. I'm perfectly fine after I'm through security, but in that unknown time between like leaving the house Mm. and getting through security, any delay could uh, impact my flight. Yeah, we've had some bad experiences. I remember we were in Austria. We were trying to get from small town Austria to Vienna, and I'd looked up information about how to get to the airport, and it turns out the search that I'd done was for a weekday and not for the weekend, so we turned up at the wrong time, and then a major storm delayed all of the trains, and we missed our connection. In the end, we missed the flight. It was a disaster. That doesn't have to happen to you, and if you're going from somewhere you know or if you're looking at how you're going to get to your destination from the airport, there's a little bit less stress there. We find uh, to and from the airport.com to be a really helpful resource and a new one, airport to is, is a new option. And there are other apps. Uh, airport websites often contain a section about getting to the airport in a way. Don't just rely on taxis. Taxis might not be your best option. Public transport might be faster. It might be safer. It might be cheaper. It might be more comfortable. So yeah, taxis can be a good choice, but don't assume that they're going to be the best option. Yeah, we've found Uber to be pretty friendly for travelers in a lot of airports around the world because you don't need local currency as soon Mm. as you step off the flight. And that's a huge benefit if you're, especially if you're only going to be somewhere for a day or two, it might not make sense to have any local currency, just some, some backup US dollars in case of a true emergency. Yeah, you've just got to make sure that you've got data on your phone to be able to access Uber or that there's Apple Wi-Fi. So that's something that might be worth looking into. When we flew into Faro a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of months ago now, it was so great because we didn't have any euros, but we did have data on our phone so we could call an Uber. When we flew into London, well, that's great. We've got our Oyster cards. We can just hop on the, the tube. When we fly into Auckland, luckily we have lots of lovely friends and family who always come to pick us up. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> So back to surviving the flight itself, but another piece of preparation, and this is to pack your carry-on bag carefully. You're going to be stuck in that seat for a long, long, long time. (laughs) So make sure your little carry-on bag has the essentials that you need to get you through the flight. Now, we mainly travel carry-on only making the occasional exception when we want to bring some extra wine with us. (laughs) But we normally have that one bag and then another smaller bag inside, which is more like, a, I guess, a large handbag Mm -hmm. or a, a very, very small briefcase kind of bag. And that'll have a bunch of different stuff in it that's really there for 
the flight itself. Yeah. Do you want to go through your list? Yeah, I was just going to say one thing to consider is if you're in an exit row, uh, so you're over the wing or somewhere like that, you actually can't have a small bag with you. You can't put anything under the seat. So I was flying, I think I was flying back from France last week, and I had this tiny little bag that just had a few bits and pieces, like I think I had my, my passport and uh, my water bottle and things like that. I could tuck that into the seat back in front of me, but my mum had a larger bag that she had to put above the seat. So keep that in mind if you're going to be in an exit row that your bag has to be a lot smaller. Okay, so some things that I always include in my little bag, a jumper, because sometimes the air conditioning is really cold. Although recently, in these last couple of flights, it's been really warm and I've been able to travel with just a t-shirt, so you never know. Uh, A pen, because if you're going to be filling in any forms, you'll need a pen. Your phone, or perhaps reading material like a Kindle or something like that. Headphones. I always have a water bottle because I always get dehydrated on the flight. If it's a long, long flight, you're going to want a neck pillow and earplugs and an eye mask if you're planning to sleep at all. It can also be a good idea to have some snacks. I always have a glasses case with me because I like to take them off and I don't really want them to get crushed. So I put my glasses case in the seat back in front of me. Another good thing to have is some sweets to suck on descent. And the last thing to remember is any medicine you might need. I would recommend you avoid sleeping pills. I listened to a podcast called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, and Betty is a flight attendant for a major airline, and she tells a lot of stories about traveling and and people on the flights. And she's got far, far, far too many stories about people taking sleeping tablets and then acting in inappropriate ways. So (laughs) don't recommend that. But yes, if you do need medicine, make sure you have it with you. You know, some people would recommend that you dress up for a flight in the hopes of getting that upgrade. But I reckon comfort is by far the most important consideration. Now, I normally wear a pair of reasonably nice slacks and a collared shirt, but I'm not going to get dressed up in like full starched collar business attire if I'm not going to be flying first by plan. Because especially for the longer flights, you're going to be less comfortable than you really need to be. Well, you're going to be uncomfortable anyway. So whatever you can do to help out is a good thing. Yeah, it's really important to be comfortable on a flight. I remember I put on a pair of not very tight, but tightish trousers for a long flight. And gosh, it was uncomfortable. I probably should have just gone to the toilet with a pair of other trousers for my bag because I did have all the clothes that I owned with me, but I didn't think of it at the time. Yeah. I mean, if you are traveling business or first, there's often a dress code in place, which is normally enforced, but otherwise go for loose fitting slacks, loose fitting trousers, a comfortable top and flat shoes. Now, some people swear by compression socks and I've seen people use them and all sorts of things. I've never, ever found them to have any effect that I've noticed yeah, on, but, my, uh, on my comfort. But some of our friends have said they've used them and they find that they reduce swelling in the ankles. So if you have problems with that, then it might be worth considering. Yeah, you know, I normally, I often have boots as my only shoes and I'll often just undo the laces and pop the laces inside the shoe mm-hmm. and then wear them around kind of more like slippers, you uh-huh. know, completely loose for the rest of the flight. It means I don't need to muck around too much if I get up and go for a walk or a stretch, mm-hmm. but also that that compression is kind of not a, not too much of an issue. Yeah, I always take off my shoes for almost all flights. I just prefer to not have my feet in shoes while I'm flying. And then I can kind of move around, maybe sit on my legs, all that kind of thing. Okay, so we've talked about preparing for the flight. We've talked about packing for the flight. We've talked about dressing for the flight. 
So now how about when you're actually at the airport? Well, you know, waiting at the gate for a couple of hours isn't anyone's idea of a good time. But being there a couple of hours ahead of the flight is much better than being there a couple of hours afterwards. Yeah, definitely. So uh, there are some things you can do to get through check-in and security quicker, but whatever you do, do give yourself plenty of time to get to the gate. Have a beer, coffee, wine, whatever after you're uh, through security, but make sure you get that far at least. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend you check in online if you can, but be aware with long flights, you may need to have your documents checked at the airport anyway. So make sure you check that before you go to the airport. To get through security, be prepared. First of all, empty your water bottle if you want to take a water bottle with you, and I recommend you do. Make sure your toiletries are less than 100 mils in size and put them into a clear one litre plastic bag. Leave this near the top of your bag so you can remove it if necessary. Or if you've got a jacket with big pockets, you could put it in the pocket of your jacket. Now, make sure to double check this because when we were going through security on our way to France, my mum had prepared a wonderful bag, 100 mils, and she'd just forgotten about one or two things in the bottom of her bag. Uh, Also, my sister-in-law, Katie, she'd prepared her bag as well, but she hadn't noticed that one of her items was actually 125 mils, so that got taken off her. Oh, you like to sneak those through if you can, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a little bit too big. I think she's got one that's 125 and one that's 100. So easy to do. Well, as you get near to the front of the security line, it's a great time to start preparing. So I'll take coins, keys, wallets, phones, all that sort of stuff out of my trouser pocket. I'll put them in my jacket pocket, which I can zip up. So that means all of that stuff is going through the scanner, but it's secure. It's not loose. It's not floating around. Uh, So then the jacket can go on. My belt I'll take off before I get to the front of the line. If it's one of those annoying airports where they make you take your shoes off, I'll have already loosened up my laces. So hopefully by the time I get over to the area where I can put things in a tray, 80% can just go straight in there and then uh, step out of my shoes and do the next lot. Yeah, do as much preparation as you can before you get to the front of the line. So yeah, belt, hat, scarf, all of that kind of stuff can come off. Some airports do have a really long travel time from check-in to security to gate. So I reckon start moving there as soon as you can. I mean, getting around some airports, you'll walk for 20 minutes to 40 minutes. Sometimes you even need to jump on a train from one area to another area of the station. So if you're unsure, head towards the gate as early as possible. Yeah. Now with travelators, we've noticed that a lot of people just kind of step onto them and then stop walking which I find really strange. You're getting the most out of it if you keep moving. Um, One other thing to mention, be really polite all the way through. There's no point arguing. I once got into a small argument with someone at security about scissors that they were taking off us, which they shouldn't have because they were a lot shorter than the allowed length. But anyway, don't get into these arguments. Just be polite, friendly. If they tell you you need to throw something away, just throw it away. Now, you may have been puzzling earlier over Linda saying that she always makes sure she has a bottle of water on the flight. And so the trick is, often far too close to the front of security, she'll realize that there's still (laughs) water in her bottle and we'll have to take turns sculling it, right, until it's all empty. It's good for hydration. the, The empty bottle can go through the security systems fine. And then on the other side, she'll find a drinking fountain and fill it up. And so that's the trick to doing that. And uh, it's really handy, especially 
And even if you're on a full-service airline where water comes when you call, they often won't serve any until uh, you're airborne and you've started to kind of level off. So all of that time, you know, you might be sitting at the gate for a while. You might be sitting on the tarmac for hours if there's a problem. Mm. And so it's really handy and safe to have your own water with you to get through that period. Yeah, I, I highly recommend having a water bottle. If you don't have your own water bottle with you, you can usually buy water on uh, airside, but it can be really expensive. So that's why I always take a water bottle with me. A lot of airports do have drinking fountains often near the toilet, so you can refill it there, or you can ask at a bar or restaurant. Be aware that sometimes the tap water isn't potable, so I would recommend in that case to purchase bottled water. And in that case, often the water is not as expensive as it is in places where the water is potable. It's weird. I would definitely recommend that. Nice. I guess going alongside that is tip number eight, which is to go to the bathroom before jumping on the plane. Because once again, you never know how long you're going to be sitting there. So somewhere between security and the gate, depending on timing, there's often a chance to go to the bathroom. And it's a good idea because you don't want to go, oh, we'll be in the air in 20 minutes. I'll just wait and then be stuck in the tarmac for an hour. Okay. So we're up to point number nine and we're finally on the plane. So once you're on the plane, Tip number nine, set your watch or phone to the correct time. This helps you minimize jet lag because you move into your new time zone as soon as possible. So for example, when we flew from Melbourne to London recently, we changed our phone's time zone to UK time as soon as we boarded. Obviously, we couldn't adjust to the new time immediately because we were well off, but uh, we could use the journey to slowly acclimatize. That's right. It's quite funny when you get on like two o'clock in the afternoon and then you're like, ooh, it's 10 p.m. at night. Wait a <laughs> second. It's um, These kind of jumps are quite odd. But yeah, by trying to get into it as soon as you get on the plane and going, okay, I've got heaps of energy, but it's, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning in my target time. So does that mean I'm going to have a really long day now or am I going to try and have a bit of a nap now and then stay up later? Yeah, it just means you can make good decisions. So finally, something that I'm going to do very soon is to get comfortable and move around. Uh, when you're going to be in your seat for such a long time and it is advised to to stay seated with your seatbelt fastened, my goodness, I've had <laughs> far too many of these security things in my life. I think you've just internalized it. I, I have, but it is recommended and I've I've seen uh, sudden drops where people have gone flying around the place. So <laughs> it is recommended if you're not moving around to have that seatbelt on, then, you know, you want to be as comfortable as you possibly can be given the restraints of other people on either side of you, people elbowing you as they walk past mm -hmm. and yeah, generally the, the hard plastic of these seats. Yeah. So yeah, set things up how you like them. I mean, especially if you're uh, not on an aisle, you might want to set things up so that you don't have to keep getting up and down to get things out of your bag if it's in the locker above your head, that kind of thing. So one thing I always do, I always take off my shoes, as I mentioned earlier. You might want to arrange your pillow or put some things in your seat back pocket, you know, just get all ready for the flight. Yeah, it's also a good time to plan your entertainment for the journey. And that's always something I like to do, watch all those B-movies that <laughs> I haven't had a chance to watch over the last couple of months, flick through those options, I have a look. I really like what some of the airlines do now where you can also buy food and beverages mm. throughout the flight just by swiping your credit card on the back of the seat. 
So when that's an option, I'll start looking through the food options as well, if I'm going to buy something extra. I always look through the food options, whether or not I plan to buy something extra. (laughs) So yeah, have a look at the entertainment options, check out the in-flight magazine, maybe choose which of your reading options you'd like to start with. If you plan to work, what you're going to work on. Yeah. Now I said before to stay seated with your belt on, but it's also important to move about as much as you can. So yeah, contradictory Craig, I know. (laughs) Make sure if you do get up to go to the bathroom or the person beside you needs to go and you stand up for them, use that as an excuse to kind of stretch, walk around a bit, get the legs moving, get the lower back moving, get your shoulders moving, because otherwise you just kind of compress and compress and compress Mm -hmm. and you're pretty achy on the other side. So Whatever small exercises you can do, like joint rotations and just lifting your leg up and down, for example, just keeps the blood moving mm-hmm. and uh, keeps you a lot healthier. Yeah, and when you do go to the bathroom, just make make that trip a lot longer. Walk up and down a little bit more. I do some stretches while I've got a bit more space, that kind of thing. Well, I'm sure we've missed some stuff and I'm sure you have some great ideas and probably some contradictory ideas about how you deal with long flights. So let us know, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com or come find us at Facebook.com and yeah, jump into it. Well, our sponsor today is 23andMe.com. 23andMe.com is a genetic service that provides you with DNA reports about where your DNA comes from around the world. So you can basically explore what percentage of your DNA comes from places like Italy, Finland, East Asia, or Africa. And what's super exciting, until August the 3rd, you could win a genetic adventure as 23andMe.com is going to choose one person every day for 23 days to travel to countries based on their DNA. If you'd like to be one of the 23 people to win a trip and travel to the locations based on your DNA, then it's time to order your DNA kit. To enter, visit 23andMe.com. That's the number 23andme.com. No purchase is necessary. It's open to legal U.S. residents who are 18 or older. It ends August the 3rd, 2017, and you must complete the 23andMe service. Visit 23andMe.com slash rules for free entry. Right, so what's up for us for the next few weeks? Well, we are going to still be in our small village for the next couple of weeks, but you are heading up to Scotland pretty soon. My sister is coming to visit. I've I've been doing yoga classes. I went to yoga today and it was it was great. So yeah, we're going to be living the uh, the rural idol. The rural idol with uh, added trips thrown in. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It should be good. Well, we'll be back soon to talk about your time in France. I'm looking forward to hearing some of those stories. Yeah, we meant to talk about that today, but we decided that we'd actually do a podcast about something to do with France. So next week we'll be talking about France, and some of my stories will be included. Great. And then after that, I guess we'll have to do something about Scotland too. Yeah, that's the plan. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.